Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. Imagine my incredible good fortune that the Lord blessed me with you listening today. Isn't that great? I'm glad you're with us. You are among the 4,800 downloads to this podcast. We're right at that point as I record this on the last Sunday in September of 2020. So you're helping us reach that goal of 5,000 podcast downloads for this week in the Word, and that's, that's just great. But I'm glad you're here with us today. We're talking today about what could possibly go wrong. <laughs> what a great topic for the year 2020. Now, I want to tell you a true story, and it will not only be an interesting story to you, but it should also be an instructive story. Many years ago, long ago and far, far away, I was a pastor in another state. We had had a New Year's Eve event at our church. As, as was often the case with me, I was the last one to leave. You know, locking the building up, everything's secure. All right, so it's, it's like, I don't know, 12.30, 1 o'clock on a New Year's Eve. I'm pulling out of the church parking lot. This has been about probably 20 years ago or more. So I make a left turn onto the main road, and I'm heading home. Home is about two miles away. And I go a little ways on the road, and then I noticed um, that familiar blue light in my rearview mirror, so I pull over and I wait. Immediately, when the deputy pulls up behind me, he starts screaming at me. Put your hands out the window where I can see them. Put your hands out the window. <laughs> hey, I wasted no time put my hands out the window. Now, I didn't dare look back, but I had the feeling that he had his hand on his pistol. Maybe he even had it drawn. I don't know. I didn't look. My hands went right out the window. So after a few tense moments, looking at the driver's license and all of that and calling the car tag in to see who owned the car and all that kind of stuff. I'm sitting in my little white Toyota Corolla waiting for what is happening. I don't remember running a stop sign. I wasn't speeding. What is going on? Once he ascertained that uh, I was who I said I was, and I indeed was the pastor of that church that he had just seen me pull out of, he told me the story. He said, well, a couple of blocks away, someone was at a home and fired shots at that home, and they were driving a small white car. Hey, just like my car, right? Now, he didn't know who I was, and I didn't know what was going on. But, you know, think about what could possibly go wrong in that situation. He was pretty sure that he was it. He got tagged to stop this person who'd already been firing a weapon nearby. In other words, now he's in a dangerous moment. Well, I didn't know all of that, and I've always had the attitude, and I've taught my kids the same thing. Hey, police officer pulls you over. Yes, sir. No, sir. Uh, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. It's, it's a lady, obviously. Just do what they say. No lip service, no arguing, don't get combative, don't cop an attitude. I just, 
was very respectful because, uh, I mean, I didn't know what was going on, but I'll tell you what, I've thought about that episode many times. What could possibly go wrong in that? Well, like I said, he was pretty sure that he had an armed criminal on his hands, and it was just him and me on a dark country road, right? I'm sure he felt like his life was in danger, and I didn't know it, but if I'd have done or said the wrong thing, if he thought I was armed, I made any sudden actions, I'm pretty sure he could have aerated me and my little white Toyota, and you would not be listening to this podcast today because I had no idea who he thought he had. Well, thankfully, nothing bad occurred. But you know, as I think about 2020, I think about what could possibly go wrong. Well, boy, do I have a list, and we've already lived this list, a lot of it. Number one, pandemic prisons. Not only was our country and the world hit with this pandemic, but many states and cities have been turned into pandemic prisons, where as I record this in September, people are still under shelter-in-place orders, and the healthy which is completely ridiculous, are still quarantined in many parts of our country. Personally, I think that has political motivations as well as whatever medical motivations there may have originally been. But the the facts are that many people feel like they're in pandemic prisons. Well, that's certainly been going on. Number two, and I've got eight of these, and they all start with a P to help you out. Number two is political chaos. Political chaos. Are we ever going through political chaos? As I record this, about about five weeks prior to the 2020 elections, nobody knows what's going to happen. And whatever happens, nobody knows what's going to happen after it happens. And in other podcasts, I've discussed various things that many are aware of and various scenarios and war games and all of that. And you can listen to previous episodes and catch up on that. But we are undergoing unprecedented political chaos. It's so unprecedented that I think it's the demonic. There is demonic activity going on in our land. And I want you to listen to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's what we're to do in the midst of this political chaos. Yes, we're to vote. Yes, we're to to discuss this with our families and co-workers and neighbors and all of this. Don't get into any fights, but you can discuss all that. But at the at the bottom of everything, when you when you remove all the the apparent things we see, when you get right down to it, I think this is a spiritual battle and we need to be approaching it in an attitude of spiritual warfare because God's at work and Satan's at work. And you should just know that. Here's number three. What could possibly go wrong? Well, the pace of events. There used to be a about a 24-hour news cycle. Somehow, it got collapsed to about 24 minutes. And it seems like every single day, there's some new outrageous thing that's supposed to rile you up and steal your peace. The pace of events. That news cycle, it used to be a day or two, and it's now you know, many times, all day long, every day, seven days a week, every week, all month, all quarter, the whole year, the whole decade, it's just bam, 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 in the pace of events that hit us. Well, Daniel, the prophet, back in the Old Testament, alluded to this, but he was told, he wrote this down, but he was told this by the angel, but thou, O Daniel, he had just been shown incredible visions, by the way. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, I don't have time to explain this in detail today, but he was given a a prophecy and vision of the future and told that it wasn't to be revealed at that time, he would shut up the words and seal up the book even at the time of the end. Well, I believe we're at the end and a lot of things are starting to become clear and apparent. Now the phrase there, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased, has been approached by uh, the rabbis and other Bible scholars to mean possibly a, a couple of things that, that I can remember. That at the time of the end when God unsealed this book, and I think he did that in, in a very clear way through the Apostle John when he gave John the revelation of Jesus Christ and God revealed the future, all right? But things are becoming even clearer as we study Daniel and Revelation today. It could be that it's saying that, that the eyes of people would search the scriptures and, and this knowledge would be increased. 
Others have taken it to mean that the world would become more fast-paced and there would be an explosion of knowledge. You know what? I think both things are true. That is, we live in an age where, where everybody's hustling and bustling and everybody's busy and there definitely is a, a technological knowledge explosion. If you were to print encyclopedias like they used to be printed, they would be out of date in many places before you could get them out of the, uh, the print shop into the hands of the public to read. That's how fast knowledge is exploding with computers and technology and artificial intelligence and all of that stuff. But the, the ultimate point that the Lord makes here to Daniel is, is he was not to reveal it then, but it would become clear at the end. Because why? Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. So it doesn't surprise me that we live in an age where the pace of events is simply exhausting. And by the way, that is also a political tactic to completely wear down patriots to where they just give up. Well, nice try, we're not giving up. We got plenty of time to stand for the Lord and for our country, amen? Number four, persecution of patriots and Christians. For those of you listening who've lived in our country for a while, like two or three or four or five decades or more, like me, did you ever think you would live to see a time where people who love the country would be the enemy? And that's where we are. Did you ever think you would see a time where governments would order churches not to meet? And even, and you can look this up, this is factual, even threatened with arrest and even arrest pastors and church members who did meet. Well, that's going on and there's going to be more of that. Of course, persecution is worldwide. And we know from the Bible that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It may be really big and really bad, or it may be more minor, but if you live for Christ, you are not going to be popular with the world. Amen. Number five, perilous times. These are dangerous times. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, God says this through Paul, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then in the following chapter, chapter 3, God explains through the apostle Paul many elements of these perilous times. And if you live in a major city today, you're telling me right now, hey, you're preaching to the choir. I live in Portland or Seattle or, you know, Minneapolis, or I live in Louisville or parts of Atlanta, or I live here, I live there, and I'm scared for my life and for my family. 
and for my job and my business and my neighbors, I'm frightened about where I live. Perilous times will come. You know, what could possibly go wrong, right? Well, pandemic prisons, political chaos, the pace of events, persecution of patriots and Christians, and perilous times. But here's number six, panic. Say, haven't we had that already? Not like I'm about to describe. Panic. Now, I'm talking here about the rapture of the church. And we're going to come back to this in just a minute in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But I want to I want to finish the list and then we're going to camp out for a few minutes on number six. A seventh thing is a, a deep crying desire on the part of the world for peace and safety. Peace and safety. And we'll see that. And then number eight is the word prince, you know, like a prince who becomes a king, prince. And I'm not talking about that uh, musician who died, but the word prince. Now let's break these down. There is a panic that is going to come to the world in the future. They well, it's pretty panicked right now, Pastor Ed. Hey, this is just a dress rehearsal. This is just the run-throughs, the warm-ups, you know, the pre-game workout. You ain't seen nothing yet compared to what I'm about to describe. And if you're not a Christian or you're a new Christian or you've been a sleeping Christian for the last 20 or 30 years, go figure, then this is going to be news to you, what I'm about to explain. Panic. We're going to read a passage first, and then I'm going to talk about that. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18, we read this. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that is, those who've already died, who are believers in Christ. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, I've done a whole series on the great rapture debate. And you can go back and listen to all of those episodes free to get a very detailed picture. But this is what I want you to know. There is a time coming 
in the future of the world where the Lord Jesus Christ is going to remove his bride, the church, from this world and take us to the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven, which will last seven years, while the tribulation unfolds on a Christ-rejecting world on earth. Now, when that happens, those believers in Christ who've already died, he will raise their bodies even before we are, we are taken up. And their spirit and soul is with him now, but their resurrected body, they'll be reunited with a new glorified body. And those who are privileged to be alive as believers when Christ returns and, and raptures, he, he carries away his church home to heaven. It's just going to be great. The, but the dead in Christ, so to speak, will rise first. Then we will be carried away as well. We will be raptured as well. That's what's spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Jesus talked about this also in John chapter 14 in verses 1 through 6, I believe it is. You can read about that there. Now, <laughs> think about this. I want you to focus on the day after the rapture. Imagine the shock worldwide when millions of living believers are gone. Where'd they go? There's no bodies anywhere. They simply disappeared. And what about all of these graves that are open, which curiously are only of people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ? Where did they go? Because there's no bodies around. Imagine the shock in the world where people who are in various levels of government, various levels of education, enterprise, business, sports, entertainment, average people like me and you on streets and every subdivision in America and, and streets all around the world, that people who believe in Jesus Christ are simply missing. They're gone. What a shock. And I believe it is a shock that will cause the world to uh, sort of like circle the wagons and, and protect themselves. We don't know where they went. I'm sure there'll be many explanations, aliens, um, you know, the, the environmentalists will say that Mother Earth uh, purged herself of these Christians and got rid of them so the world can be saved and all this kind of stuff. But the shock will be real. But I think it will also be a trigger for the world to firmly commit to global government and a global leader to move forward in a new direction. Imagine the shock, but imagine the relief. And that is those that know where they want to take the world to global government finally don't have to deal with these Christians anymore. I mean, at least that's what they think because even more people are going to come to Christ after the rapture because they will realize what has happened. 
and they will come to Christ as well. But, you know, from the world's viewpoint, this is what could possibly go wrong next. Now, we think about peace and safety. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, and this may well follow right after the rapture. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So the rapture, I believe, while it is a blessing to believers, it is the start of great judgment for those who hate Christians and reject Jesus Christ. And they will be crying out for peace and safety. But then this beast, this antichrist, this global government is put firmly in charge of the world and the world's troubles are only just beginning. And then I mentioned the last word, the eighth one, Prince, I want to read to you from Daniel 9, 24 to 27. Now, Daniel wrote what we're reading approximately 2,500 years ago. I believe we're living at the end of this and we're starting to see what he was prophesying. Daniel 9, 24 to 27. This is the angel explaining to Daniel what's going to happen. 70 weeks. Now, by the way, these are heptads, 70 heptads. These are weeks of years. In other words, every year stands for seven, every week rather, stands for seven years. You mathematicians among us will love this passage. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. So how many, how many years is that? That's 490 years, right? 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. Who is Daniel's people? The Jewish people. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Well, what city would that be? Jerusalem. Yeah, that's right. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. And that last phrase is talking about the holy of holies in the temple, or the temple itself, and the holy of holies. Uh, verse 25, here's where you put your math thinking cap on. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, that's Jesus, shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Now, what does that add up to? 69 weeks, right? 69 weeks of years, 483 years. And I can't explain it right here, but you can learn it up, uh, look it up and learn this. Jesus Christ appeared on the triumphal entry coming into Jerusalem prior to his crucifixion, 
death, burial, and resurrection on the exact day he was prophesied to come to Jerusalem and present himself as the Messiah to the day. Let me go back and read this. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. That is, he will be killed, but not for himself. That is, Jesus Christ didn't do anything to deserve death, right? And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, how long is that one week? Remember, it's a heptad. It's seven years. And he shall, who's this? This is the prince of the people that shall come. I'm going to explain that in a minute. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, so that's three and a half years, okay? And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, that his temple worship will be stopped. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Pastor Ed, help me. All right, let's break this down. Actually, I said the eighth word is prince, but really there are two princes mentioned here. Did you notice that? There's Messiah the prince in verse 25 who is rejected. But then we see in verse 26, after Messiah is cut off, it, we have the phrase in, in about the middle of verse 26, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city. Now, after Jesus was crucified, died, was buried, and resurrected, and ascended back to heaven, what people destroyed Jerusalem? Well, that would be the Romans in A.D. 70 under Titus. Remember that? The, the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. So that's a, that's a known thing, Right? But that little phrase, and the people of the prince that shall come. So the prince who's still coming, who is not Messiah the prince, because he's been rejected to this point nationally by the Jewish people, even though he is Messiah, the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city. So this prince is from the Roman Empire. Say, so whatever happened to the Roman Empire anyway? Well, it just kind of went out of existence. Yes, it was conquered, but the, the remnants of the Roman system are still clearly evident within Western civilization. 
and Rome will rise again and Rome will have a leader and it will be this prince, the prince of the people that shall come. So there will be a great world leader, the last human world leader will be the one we know of as the beast, the Antichrist, and he will have, according to Daniel, and according to the Lord Jesus himself, a global government. And it is this world leader and this global government that Christ will return, demolish that global government, and destroy that leader. All right? And there's a whole lot of details here that I can't get into yet at this time. But I want you to notice that there is a prince coming. Now the world will look at him almost as if he's Jesus Christ, but he's not. He is the Antichrist. And I want you to know what that word means. Anti doesn't mean primarily he's against Christ, though he is, but it means a substitute Christ. Messiah the Prince, the rightful ruler of the world, Jesus Christ, has been rejected by and large by the world. Even though many people believe in Jesus, the world at large has just said, we will not have this man rule over us, Jesus Christ, right? We don't want him, right? But guess what? There's one coming who will act like he is Jesus Christ, who will demand worship. Him, Jesus said this, him you will receive. So the Jewish nation will worship the Antichrist, the world will. Many in Israel will see the truth, but many won't until it's too late. But the word prince is the eighth one. Now, the world, there's two princes mentioned, but the world chooses the, the fake, the, sub, the substitute Christ, the anti-Christ. All right, so let's back up to the rapture. Well, that's how it all finishes out and then Christ returns. But I think, well, you know, when you ask what could possibly go wrong, like what's next? Well, there may be a lot of world events that are going to happen and a lot of events in America, I'm sure, I'm sure the people who hate America have many tricks up their sleeve. And, you know, the Chinese said, may you live in interesting times. Man, have we got that in exponential factors here. We are definitely living in interesting times. And we could thank the Chinese for some of that. But, um, <laughs> but what I want you to focus on is this. The rapture could well be the next major world event. We don't know that it is or isn't, but it could be. I can't think of a reason it can't be, and it could be. Imagine the day after the rapture. Millions of living believers in Jesus Christ are simply gone. You don't have to arrest the pastors and churches anymore. They're not here. You don't have to quarantine and lock down people to keep them out of church. Nobody's going there because the true believers are gone. And I'm sure that fake believers and others will still go there, but I'm talking about real Christians here now, okay? Not people who just say they are, the real deal. They're gone. And like I said, amazingly also, the graves of people who already died before the rapture who believed in Christ, <laughs> their graves are open and their bodies are missing too. 
this is going to be a great shock to the world, but the flip side of that coin is people who have an agenda. It'd also be a great relief because finally those pesky Christians are out of the way. Wow. I tell you what, that's going to mess the world up for a, for a few days <laughs> at least when the Lord takes believers home. So no matter what the future holds, this type of event, this event, whenever it happens, will rattle the world. Now you should ask a good question. Well, Pastor Ed, I never heard about this, or I have, but I don't know much about it. Has this ever happened before? Uh, no, nothing quite like it on that scale. Uh, the flood would be the only thing that would be that massive on that scale, but a different event. But raptures have occurred before, by the way. Enoch was raptured. In other words, he's taken living bodily into heaven to be with the Lord. Elijah the prophet was taking, uh, taken living bodily into heaven. Remember that? Christ, you could say that he was raptured because after his resurrection, when he spent that time with the disciples after the resurrection, for, uh, what was it, 40 days, and then he ascended to heaven, you could, in a way, I think, and I, I don't think this is wrong at all, say that that was pretty much being raptured into heaven. Philip was raptured, I believe, when he was transported by the Spirit from one physical geographical location into the desert to lead the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ, and then, uh, then he's, he's taken out after that to another place. So that's a rapture. Paul alludes to a time that he went into heaven and heard words that he said, I can't even, it's unlawful for me to even write down what I heard. He said it was just quite an experience. He didn't talk about it a lot. And, uh, but it, it may be when he was stoned to death, pelted with rocks, that when he was left for dead, he may have been dead or in between. I don't know how all that works, but he saw heaven himself. That may have been a, a type of rapture. Possibly uh, John may have experienced that to some extent. So we don't want to press that too far, but the point is, yeah, there have been raptures in the Bible prior to the big event. But when that big event comes, it's going to shake the world up. Truly, what could possibly go wrong? Well, from the world's viewpoint, try explaining where millions of believers in Jesus Christ have gone and you can't find any bodies. That's a big one. The theories will abound, I'm sure. That could be the next event the world will see. And I believe it is the next event in Bible prophecy. I don't know of anything else that has to occur for Bible prophecy to move forward. The rapture of the church could be it. Now that's what could possibly go wrong, so to speak, from the world's standpoint. For the world, it'll be a shocking day and also a day that opens up a new future for them where they can finally have their global government and reject God completely. And like I said, it's only the beginning of the trouble for them, but they don't know that. But for us who believe in Christ, 
It'll be a wonderful day to be with the Lord. Amen? Now, probably this message has rattled some of you. You don't know where you are with the Lord. You say you're a Christian, but you're not really sure. Hey, why don't you just be sure right now? Confess to the Lord you're a sinner. That's why you commit sins and you need a new heart, a new life. You need him living in your life. You need to come to Christ as your Savior and Lord and be born again. Ask him right now. For others of you, you know you're not a Christian and you need to give your life to Jesus Christ while you can. Say, well, I'll do it. If the rapture happens, I'll know and I'll do it then. You may not even be alive then. You may pass away three months from now in a car wreck. Nobody knows. You need to give your life to Christ today. Ask him to be your Savior and Lord. Turn from your sin and turn to his Savior. For others listening, you know that you belong to the Lord, you love the Lord, and you're looking forward to being with him as soon as he says it's the right time. Listen, it's discouraging times we live in. Keep on keeping on. And you know, the Lord reminded me of something today. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Stop trying to worry about the future. I don't know when all this is going to happen, and it may happen soon. I can enjoy today. I don't know what's going to happen in the presidential election, but I can enjoy this day the Lord gave me, right? You see what I'm saying? So live in the joy of the Lord and just know God's got it under control, baby. No worries. It's all good when you believe in Jesus. And if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, Hey, the Lord's right there with us, amen? Thank you for listening today. And if you need spiritual counsel, I invite you to call 888-537-8720. 888-537-8720. Someone will help you with your spiritual questions. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. Share this podcast with someone while there's time. Email it to them. Tell them how to find it on their computer, their iPad, their phone, dredhill.hudbean.com. Thank you so much. God bless you. May the Lord richly bless you this week is my prayer. God bless. Bye-bye.